You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I am James Seltzer coming to you live from the WIP studios. Usually, I get to look in this guy's face, look in his eyes when I'm talking to him, and to really, really know how he's feeling and what he's saying. But today, today he wanted to be on so bad that he was willing to do it over the phone for us. Just back from Chicago. I think he might still be drunk. Let's find out. The one and only Mr. Jack Fritz. Fritzy. You wanted to you wanted to look in my eyes just like the the gay capitalist should do with the Phillies players and stop using these analytics. Right? <laughs> That's what I, I hear, Jack. That's what I hear. I was in Chicago, so listen, let me preface this whole podcast by saying that uh, I watched some of the Phillies but, like, honestly, you got to understand that it was my bachelor party. I didn't have to watch the Phillies. I watched most of the games. I tried my best. I was at the game on Thursday in Chicago. I was, I was chirping, even though uh, the Phillies lost. And, yeah, my hangover just kicked just in time for this podcast. So uh, it's, it's going to be a good one. I feel energized. Like, sometimes, like now that I'm older, like, I, I started to realize that hangovers last longer. Like, when I was in college, they never really affected me. Now it's like, wow, that was a lot. Now I'm good. We're good. Yeah. We are back from Chicago. We are heading to work. Excited to uh, you know get back on track. Jack, you're talking to a 36 year old. You don't even know what a hangover is. All right. Uh, At your yeah. age, I could go for weeks straight, no problem. And now it is literally, I'm I'm out for days, days at a time after a night of drinking. So yeah. enjoy mean, it, it while you got hours, it. Though. It was 72 hours of just drinking. So I think. Knock out anyone. So well, back in the day, I would have been able to handle it. <laughs> not as much anymore. I'd still try though. That that's where I'm at. I'll try. I, I know the pain's coming, but I'll try anyway. Speaking of pain, I don't think you missed too much over the weekend. Uh, though I do later on. We're going to get your your review of Wrigley Field as as a baseball man himself. First experience going to Wrigley Field. I definitely want to hear about that. But can but, I just say that I didn't stop smiling the whole time? <laughs> that's what I would hope. I mean, that, that should be the reaction for any baseball fan going to Wrigley for the first time. But more important things to talk about, Jack, is people are starting to panic a little bit. Are starting to get that feeling today on, on WIP. We're getting into the whole Gabe Kapler's too positive. I'm tired of the positivity when this team's getting their ass kicked. 
Uh, rough weekend for the team. They bounced back, salvaged the series with the 4-3 to three win yesterday, but not so great on Friday and Saturday. 12-3, to 12-4, or vice versa. Flipped those around. Didn't matter. The Brewers were putting up runs. Been a bit of a slide. Uh, 4-11 and 11 over the last 15 games, the month of June. As we expected it to be tough, off to a 2-7 and seven start. It hasn't gone so well. Where are you at right now from a macro perspective with this Phillies team? Are you worried? How concerned are you? All that type of stuff. Well, like, I don't want to say... Like, I, I knew there was going to be regression, even when they were playing really well, just because like, I didn't think the staff was that great. Uh, I didn't expect the hitting to be as bad as it is. And I'll tell you what, it's the, the bullpen is really starting to show some cracks. Like, obviously, Sir Anthony is amazing. But outside of Sir Anthony, I don't think I can trust anyone else in a, in a big spot. Like, I think they all have – the weird thing is that they all have great stuff. They all have great stuff. 90, like Adam Morgan is a legit 97 from the left side with a really good slider. And Jason Hayward, who hasn't caught up to a fastball – in seven years, catches up to a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. It, I, it was unbelievable. So, like, I, it just feels like they're, they're not as good as their early record was suggesting. I also don't think they're as bad as this. Um, but the offense has been in a funk for, for over a month now. And it's, 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 it's starting to get legitimately concerning. And they're not even – like, it, it feels more like a chore to watch the Phillies right now than it did in the, in the last couple of months. Like right now, I'm just like, this team is so like, frustrating to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. I'm not completely jumping off the bandwagon, but I think it's fair to be super, super kind of infuriated at how this team's playing. It feels like there's no, there's no emotion. It feels like they're just kind of going through the motions. Listen, me and you, are, me, you and, Jay, and John are all pro-Dubal, hashtag pro-Dubal. His, his batting average has dropped like 80 points yeah. in the last month. It's like and 280s he, he, now. He's in the 280s. He was batting 361, Jack. He looks. He just. He looks different. It looks like he's. And this is what happens with the double. Is like sometimes he just doesn't look fully engaged. And I'm worried that we're going through one of those spells now where he doesn't look fully engaged. Uh, I understand the positivity thing from Kessler. I can understand where that's frustrating uh, from a fan base as they're watching his team get their doors blown in on a night in night out basis. Uh, but. I don't have a huge problem with it. I just want to make sure there is some kind of uh, uh, some guy that can drop the hammer when the, the hammer needs to be dropped. And maybe that's Rob Thompson. Maybe that's someone else the staff. I'm fine with Kapler being that way with the media because, like, the, the players don't really benefit much from getting bombarded in the media. Um, that just kind of kills the locker room. So I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But behind closed doors, I need him laying the hammer down on some players because, like, it's right now is just unacceptable. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I, I literally the same way with the Kapler stuff in the sense that I don't care at all what he says to the media. He's clearly a positive guy. He brings a positive mentality to to meeting with the media. Who cares? It doesn't bother me at all. I understand when you see your team give up twelve runs on back to back days. You want to see the manager come out. And be fired up and be angry about it and not just have this, ah, you know. I think the problem is he'll come out and he'll start a press conference off with, well, it was a hell of a sixth inning. I thought we really looked good playing. And, you know, stuff where it's like, dude, you got slammed today. Bring the reality of what happened. So I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I don't care at all. 
I, yeah. In general, I like Kapler's approach from a public, what he's talked to the media. For the most part, I've liked what he's had to say, the way he's responded to criticism. I think all that's been positive. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I don't think players are dumb. And and being in a, being in a locker room, like, this is going to sound so whatever, but like my freshman year at Bloomsburg, we were, we were bad. And we were just like, we were questioning certain things, and we'd see these things, and then... You know, we, we, we would talk amongst ourselves. So it's, it's kind of naive to say that uh, players, like, don't understand. Like, players understand when players suck. Like, our sophomore year at Bloom, our, uh, uh, the pitching staff was unbelievable, and the hitting was terrible. So, like, our coach pulled aside all the pitchers, and he was like, listen, I know, I know that right now you guys are shoving, and the hitters aren't really backing it up. Just stick with us. Don't try to make this a pitchers versus hitters kind of thing. Um, so, like... It's it, players aren't dumb. Is my point, and I understand like the whole media thing. Like, fine. I just want to make sure that behind closed doors, it's not just like la di da. It's okay. Like I don't know. Well, that well, that's the key. That. No, well, that's the key, and that's kind of what I was saying as well. Is that I'm fine with his public approach behind yeah. closed doors. It has to be different. You know, you can't be going into the locker room and saying, "Hey, you know, great at bat in the sixth inning when you lost twelve to four, or twelve to three, or whatever." I'm with you. I, I think that. My point being that as long as the what we're seeing uh, him say to the media and that type of mentality, as long as it's different behind closed doors and when he needs to get fiery, he can, then it's not as much of an issue to me. It's if the, the guy that's talking to the media after the game is also the guy who's addressing the team after the game. That's a bigger issue for me. And like you said, maybe it is someone like Rob Thompson or someone else who brings the hammer and they do a good cop, bad cop type of thing. That works too, but... I agree. Either way, the hammer has to be brought down on these guys. And Arietta tried to do it, obviously, in a public forum. Maybe not the best way to go about it, but you understand where he's coming from. As a veteran guy calling out a team that needs to be called out. Like you said, man, they, they have just not played with the same type of fire and the same type of aggressiveness and all that type of stuff that they they have to bring. This team isn't going to score runs unless they're being aggressive on the base pass, unless they're taking that extra base, doing all that type of stuff. And to your O'Double point, look, uh, he's always been this type of guy, right? He's always been someone who's had amazing highs, amazing hot streaks, and then amazing lows at the same time. So I don't think it's that surprising. But at the same time, like you said, they, they need to do something about it. And you could see the precipitous decline, especially when this offense really was relying on only O'Double Herrera up until now. You need that guy to come through. And when he's struggling, it just... It, it emphasizes how much the offense as a whole has struggled. One positive, though, and we talked a lot about it when they lost him, and not just the importance of the bat in the lineup, but of the leadership on the team, Reese Hoskins' return. Is the return of Reese Hoskins alone enough to turn this offense around, Jack? Well, I think the Reese Hoskins thing, it just makes them deeper and lets guys settle into a role. And even though he was struggling, he was still a presence. And I think it just kind of lets everyone take a big sigh of relief. I mean, when he was out of the lineup in San Francisco, they scored one run, and it was by a pitcher who hit a home run. And it just feels like when you have a guy like Reese that you can rely upon, he's been a leader everywhere he's been. I just think that even if he's not fully performing, it just lets everyone else kind of take a deep breath. So, yeah, I think it'll definitely help. Um, and I just want to say one more thing on the Kapler thing that I just thought about while driving. Um, like. The positivity thing kind of, it, it may make guys become complacent and not 
pushes hard because they know that that they can just that he'll be still be positive. Like think about when you would have a substitute teacher in in class, and I mean I know that was what like thirty years for you ago, but <laughs> very very like, very good. Thank you. Very good. When you have a I need a little teacher, rim shot, a little bump bump. Very well done. When, when you have a substitute teacher, you know they, it just it, they, they can't really do it. They have no really power. The power is taken away from the teacher, and it just feels like maybe there when when there's so much positivity, they just feel like they can get away with more, and there's no one really being held accountable. There's no accountability, and I just I I want I want to make sure there's actual accountability because it, it seems like there's a, they're a very undisciplined team. They they're they're a pretty dumb team. Yeah, and like. I don't know. I just want to make sure that there's some kind of accountability, and I think that's where Arietta. That's what he most- said, right? I mean, that's that quote-unquote. That's what he said. I-, I think you're dead on with that. I think Arietta was calling out for accountability from top to bottom, as he said, and I think we went so far as to say, if, if there isn't, I'll make sure there is, and I- part of that is why we were so pro-Arietta's comments in the sense that I think you're dead on, Jack. This is a young team. This is a team that needs to know that certain things are not okay, that, that you have to be accountable for your actions. And I, I think you make a great point. Look, we don't know one way or the other if that's really what's happening behind closed doors. But if Kapler is this relentlessly positive guy at all times and struggles to criticize, then yeah, I, I think that could be a real issue because, there, again, no accountability if, you, if you're not being taken to task for the mistakes you're making. So, um, and the defense thing, like, I know guys are playing out of position, but like, there's been, like, no, it's, been, you're right. You mentioned it. It's sloppiness. It's mistakes. It's not covering bases. It's being in the wrong position. All that type of stuff that has to stop. Like, sometimes, sometimes, like, manager just has to ream out a team. Like, and if you ream out a team in, in private, obviously, at private, guys kind of just like nut up a little bit. And the Phillies have needed to nut up for like, for like a month now, yeah, and it, there's been nothing. The defense is still sloppy. Now I think JP Crawford being back has kind of just like I don't know, maybe just me watching, but the defense looks way better with Crawford, Crawford out there. He's just so much more smooth and like looks like a natural out there. Um, but like the mental mistakes are piling up, and like the mental mistakes are are that's something that every player can personally deal with. Like mental mistakes are personal. Physical, physical mistakes kind of just happen sometimes. Mental mistakes are inexcusable. Like that's just not being in a game. That's not being focused. And when they come to the come to the, come to the dugout and Gabe's like, "Hey, man, it's all right. Like it's okay. Like still not a bad throw, man, or like something like that." Right. It doesn't really it doesn't really help the player. You know? I, I agree with you. Well, especially when you look at this team that they need to do that little stuff to win games. You know, yep. we've seen that. You know, whether it's taking the extra base, whether it's just sound fielding, all that type of stuff, they can't afford to give up runs. This team doesn't hit well enough. They haven't done enough from an offensive perspective to give away any runs, and they give away runs, it seems like, every night. So I think that's a great point. On the Kapler thing as a whole, though, I am, I am I'm really happy with the way he handles player issues in the media. I think it is the right move by him to not openly criticize guys in the public unless they need a kick in the butt. But I think we're getting to that point where you can only continue to do the same thing in the same public, you know, public excuses, whatever you want to use. You can only do it for so long before it starts to just sound like BS. And I think that for a lot of Phillies fans, 
that's starting to be where we're getting to, which also, you know, if you take a step back, this team is 33 and 30 right now. You look at last season, take a guess when they won their 33rd game last year, Jack. Ah, like June 30th. July 21st. (laughs) <laughs> July 21st. It is now June the 11th. So at the same time, and and I, you've said this a lot, I love that fans are upset about this because it means that they care again. They care about this team again. And, and it had been a long time since people were invested on in the day-to-day actions of this Phillies team. So I think that's a really positive thing. But with that comes more scrutiny and more, you know, uh, more of this type of stuff. So... Again, I'm happy people are back, but I also want them to have the perspective that is necessary in the sense that this is still a really young team. 33-30 and 30 is a pretty damn good record for them right now. And they're headed into, in the midst of, the toughest part of their schedule all season long. So they just need to, to find a way to maintain. You know, They need to, to keep their water level where it is at. As Jack Fritz says, it'll always find its level. They just need to stay level right now. They just need to find their way through June, and then they can make some games up. We always see it every year, right? You want to be the hot team in, in September. That, that's the, the formula for making a run is be that hot team that wins a wild card in September. Right now, it's not as big a deal if they're struggling. The, the issue is they could fall way out. If they continue on this path, we're 2-7 and seven in June, and it only gets harder. The Rockies coming to town. We'll get to that. But then they've got the Brewers again, the best record in the National League. The Cardinals, a wild card team right now. The Nationals in first place again. Then the Yankees, the best record in baseball right there with the Red Sox. And then back to the Nationals. So it's getting harder, not easier, Jack. How do you feel about this team right now? Is this the type of thing where do you think we're going to look back at the end of June and say, all right, they, they made it through that gauntlet and now they just got to start winning some games? Or is it the possibility that come July 1st, we're like, well, they're out of it now? Well, I just, I just don't know how, I just don't know how they're going to win games unless they get really good starting pitching during this run because the offense has just been, it's been that bad. And like, I understand the, the whole record 33 and 30 thing, and that's great. Like, it's, it's fine that they're a good baseball team, but they haven't played well over a month, or it feels like it's been a month. They've kind of, and they've been beating up on bad opponents. So I think a lot of Phillies fans are looking at this team as, well, the record's not really, you know, it's not what they're really playing as. They're not really playing like a 33 and 30 team. It's, the record's great, and I'm happy that they're in it, but it just, to me, it just doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that they're 33 and 30 because they feel like a bad baseball team right now. And it's the defense, it's the pitching, it's the hitting, it's the bullpen. So, like, if they can, if we can start seeing some signs of life, I might start saying like, "Hey, you know, they'll they'll still be in it," but I just can't. I, if they play like how they've been playing, and I don't think they will. I, they're going to be out of the race. Like they just are. They, you're playing against some of the best teams in the league that have more talent than you, and you're you're making dumb mistakes on top of that. So unless they can start turning things around on offense, and some of the stuff Maley's teaching can can figure it out, and all, and uh, like Reese can get back to where he was hitting, a doable can get him back focused. Yeah, but. I can't say right now definitively that I think they're going to be in the race when this whole runs over because they're playing a bunch of good teams. They're not playing like a good team. And the pitching staff isn't carrying them. And, and frankly, it's with Velasquez and Eflin, who you never know what you're going to get on a night and night out base. I think Pavetta, Nola, and Arietta are going to be pretty good. You can pretty much rely on those guys. But then, I don't know. And the bullpen's become a, become a problem, even though they're all talented. 
I don't know. I'm pretty. I'm pretty frustrated with where the scene is at. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, especially, and and I think maybe doing so well early on and getting to you know close to ten games above five hundred, being in first place at one point, maybe has kind of gotten people. Uh, a little bit unrealistic with what this team actually was in the first place. So right. I, I think you make a really good point there. I, I personally, again, I, I think these next this next week or so against the Rockies, a team coming in where they need to take advantage of playing the Rockies right now. They're the worst team on the schedule for the rest of this month. And if they can't take advantage of the Rockies, then I'm going to be really you know, starting to to really doubt what this team, and again, this is a series in June. So it's hard to, it's one of those things where it's really tough to overreact too much because we know what baseball is. And I've seen it so many times where a 500 team goes into the month of July and that team ends up 15 games above 500 by the end of the season. So uh, you can see that, you could see how the, the season could head that way. But I think right now when you look at the youth, the way they've played, the and I, I think you hit on a real, the really important thing is, it would be a lot easier to accept it if they weren't killing themselves, if they weren't playing sloppy baseball. If, again, like how many times do we have to see someone not covering a base at this point? Uh, that's a t- I, if People get so mad at Kapler about the pitching changes or the shifts. They should be getting mad at him about the fundamentals. If you want to rip Kapler, rip your team for not having a guy cover third and Chris Bryant could just take third base because there's no one there. That's the type of stuff that I get angry about from a coaching perspective, the type of stuff that they need to do a much better job about. Again, going back to that earlier point, they can't afford it. They can't keep doing these things if they want to win games, especially against the best teams. Jack, you brought up the bullpen. I wanted to hit on that real quickly because that has been something that for a while there we felt was something we could really count on. Because of the talent you've mentioned, and and we've seen a lot of these guys pitch well for the majority of the season, but it's starting to be a problem the last few weeks. The Sir Anthony of it all obviously has been by far the best arm in the pen, but it's created a situation where you almost feel like there's no one else you can count on right now except Sir Anthony, and it's putting him into situations where 41 pitches, I mean, and and I was fine with him bringing him in there, but that's a lot of pitches, you know, and then you you don't have him, and and granted, you have an off day today, but... Are we getting A, are we getting to the point where you're starting to worry about how Sir Anthony is being used and his ability to maintain over the course of the season if he's going to be used like this? And then a follow-up to that being, you know, the bullpen as a whole. There's no closer right now. There's no one you feel good about in that in that role. And and again, you know, Gabe resorting to to the one-out saves again, and that was the right move to bring Hunter in there. But the bullpen as a whole, something we used to count on, where are you at right now? Well, let me just start. Let's talk about Sir Anthony for like five seconds. Because <laughs> the only five I seconds. Think, I think. I think. the MLB allowing him to throw a ninety-one mile an hour changeup coming off of a ninety-nine mile an hour cutter should be illegal. I think. I think they should really look into it and maybe ban him from throwing a changeup because it's just unfair. And I feel bad for the hitters. And it's just like I don't know how you're going to hit this guy if he's throwing a ninety-one mile an hour changeup. Like it's just. It's bad for baseball for him being this good. And uh, I think the MLB should really consider uh, not letting it throw a changeup. Sound good? Yeah, I think that's a fair deal. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I like the thought. I like that you're looking out for everybody like that. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah. I'm just looking for the pace of play. I want to make sure that, that the hitters have a chance because they just don't have a chance to be throwing a 91 mile an hour changeup. It's a really I'm fair re- point, man. It's a fair point. Yeah, thank you. Um, he, is, he is really good. But they are throwing him a lot, and they're using him a lot. 
And, I mean, they have to use him because he's their best bullpen piece. I think It feels uh, think like Tommy only. Hunter, right now the problem is it feels like only bullpen piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. is that I think Tommy Hunter started to round into, round into shape. I know that everyone was just crapping on Tommy Hunter when he was coming uh, off the DL. I think he's starting to, to turn into someone they can trust more and more. I know that, like, for some Phillies fans, they just can't believe that. But he's, he's a good pitcher. He's been a good pitcher. He's going to be fine. Uh, yeah, the history of Tommy Hunter says that he will figure this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, not worried about him. I think he's starting to figure it out. I think he's really tough against lefties and with that cutter in. But anyway, besides him, like, I don't know. I don't think there's anyone that's coming into a ball game where I'm like, all right, they've got this. Like, he's fine. Uh, I mean, Edebry, a little bit. Luis Garcia, no. Adam Morgan, I wish, but I can't see that either. What happened to Adam Morgan? I mean, I felt great about him the vast majority of the season, and now, you know, you, you, you clench your cheeks when he comes into a game. But he should be good. Like, I, I don't understand how he's bad. Like, he's throwing 97 with a, a wipeout slider. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't either. You're the, you're the pitching expert, Fritz. I think he's, I think he's throwing too many four scenes. I wish it isn't, his fastball doesn't really move, and I know it's like left and lefty, so it should theoretically just work, but clearly it didn't when Jason Hayward who, again, has a cup to a fastball in seven years, can park 97 from the left side out. Like, that's clearly a problem. That's, that's, not, on, that's not on pitching. That's on, that's on you, Adam Morgan. Um, I don't know. I, the bullpen, it's just like, it's not good. I don't trust them. I don't, they, they continuously crap down their legs in big moments. And I think that's where I've been more frustrated with, with the whole run right now. It's like they've had chances in big moments and big games to, to, to show teams that they're legit yep. and they've continuously crapped on their leg. Yep. Uh, the example number one being in Chicago with, with the Luis Garcia, or the, the, the home run of Jason Hayward. And yeah. then the next game after that, just uncompetitive again. Yeah, and so we saw it before ha- that the Hector Neris blowing that save. They come back to beat Scherzer. That was a game against the Nationals. You take that series if you win it. We've seen it over and over and over again this series or this season. They've blown, they've blown at least four games yep. that they should have won. Well, Naris has blown handily. three, and Morgan blew that one, so that's four alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's why I don't feel as good about this team either, is that when they've had a chance to rise to the occasion, they just cracked on their leg. They, they don't look like they're ready for a big stage, big moment on the road. Like, that's, that's the mark of a good team. I, let's bring up the Eagles for a second. Like, the Eagles, the, 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 Doug's first year, they were terrible on the road, and they, they looked like they didn't know what they were doing on the road. Second year, the moment I started believing that they were a legit Super Bowl contending team was when they went down to Carolina and won that game in a tough road environment on national TV. The Phillies right now have been in L.A. and Chicago and against the Nationals and have, been, have had a chance to, to, to take series, and they have crapped down their leg. So, I don't know. I'm very frustrated. I'm really mad at this team. Like, I just want to be better. Yeah, I can tell, man. And, and it's coming through, and I think that you're speaking what a lot of Phillies fans are feeling right now. Like, especially for, for a, a fan base that was just starting to get back into this team. And granted, you know, some of us were around the whole time. But I understand if, if, if you know, they've been a bad product for the last yep. few years. So people are finally starting to get excited, getting starting to get interested in, 
it's a, it's frustrating when you lose games like that. It's frustrating when you have games that are won, that are over. You're up seven to five in the ninth, or excuse me, five to three in the ninth. You lose it seven to five. Like that shouldn't happen. That is it is incredibly frustrating, especially when when potentially the worst left-handed hitter in baseball is going yard and a grand slam off the lefty. So I'm with you in a macro sense there. I also I think that again to go back to that point, I think that we might be slightly harsh too harsh on this team because uh, for those reasons I think a lot of people were excited to be back in and they start losing games and we forget it's a young team it's a first year manager it is all that type of stuff and and I think ultimately you know maybe not as talented offensively as we thought or at least not ready to be I still believe in in a lot of the guys who are struggling long term you know I'm not out on Kingery I'm not out on Crawford I'm not out on any of those guys but I do yeah, can we just talk? Can we talk about the freaking? There's just there's a weird narrative out there right now that like the Carlos Santana signing was like a bad signing, and like I don't I don't understand like why Carlos Santana is being like the scapegoat for this entire thing. Like Carlos Santana is putting up the stats that he's always put up. Like he's batting two thirty with a three fifty five OEP. He was batting. 180 a month ago, and he's been he's been batting him at 300 in all of May. Like, where is this? Where is this anti Carlos Santana like major bus signing narrative coming from? Like, we get we get three calls a night saying, uh, "Man, they shouldn't have signed Santana." I'm just like, what? Like, what is what? Why? He's been one of their best offensive players and in a team that can't hit. And like, what? What's the problem with Carlos Santana? Because because Williams isn't getting enough at bat, or they like, haven't figured out the outfield. Like, I'm sorry. I'd it's because they're ruining Reese Hoskins, putting him in left field, Jack. You didn't know that? It's going to ruin his career. Like, Reese Hoskins was that, had, a, had a thousand OPS his, his first month of the season playing left field. I think he's fine uh, from the hitting perspective, the hitting side of things. And, like, the fact that people are bringing up Nick Williams like, as, as an honest answer as to why they should have signed Carlos Santana, I just think that's so stupid. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and look, we've we've been big uh, Carlos Santana supporters on this show for the most part, just saying, hey, he'll get to where he always does, and we're seeing that he's getting there. The last month plus, he's hit like the guy you expect him to be. The power hasn't been quite there as much as you would like it to be, but no one on the team has really been bringing it from that perspective. But look, I'm with you. I, I think that a lot of people had penciled Reese Hoskins as the future first baseman of the Phillies in their minds. And then they move into left field, and, and people just overreact. People take that way too seriously. That that's going to mess up his development or something. Left field's easiest position on the field to play. They're asking him to do less out there. He has to worry less about defense. And granted, it's not his natural position, so whatever. I, I'm with you 100% on that. I think that's part of the the reason that people are so against the Santana move and I think it's also that you know he's the the highest paid guy on the team from an offensive perspective I think people expect more from him I don't think people knew what what type of hitter Carl Santana was either I think they expect him to be this you know middle of the lineup monster who's gonna hit 35 40 homers that's not who he is he's never been that guy he's a guy who gets on base a lot that's the type of hitter he is, and he'll get you some big hits when you need him. But I think the people have kind of expected things from Carlos Santana that he's not going to bring, and he was never going to bring. 
But I, I think when you look at this offense, I mean, imagine where they would be without Carlos Santana right now. You want out Tara and Nick Williams playing every day? Because I don't. <laughs> they certainly haven't looked like they should be from that perspective. And I understand on a, on a general level the argument of, hey, this team isn't going to win the World Series. Play the young guys. Get development. Get reps. And I, I as a general principle, I'm all for if young guys are going to be in the major leagues, Play them every day, get them those reps, get them to where they need to be. Uh, but I think that's only if you think Nick Williams is a long-term answer on this team. I know you don't, Jack. So uh, I think that people are, are misunderstanding the, 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 what they're trying to do long-term and also maybe putting a little too much belief in guys who might not deserve that belief. Either way, Carlos Santana, in my mind, a necessary part of this offense. Well, it just makes them deeper, and it makes them more versatile in theory if they were all if they could all start hitting they just haven't hit and he'd just be he'd be a fine cog in a good lineup right now i think people are expecting him to be like this ryan yes well it's kind of the odubel thing right in that for years people just expected so much out of this guy because he's the only good player on the team and i think that's kind of led to to the general way people always give the guy so much crap for everything he does because for years that's what they did or for two three years whatever because he was the only guy anyone cared about on the team so they picked him apart far more than they should have and i, I think that's carried over to to now in the way that people are never really happy with O'Double. i feel like people really are never happy with baseball teams in general true like it's weird because like like we on the high host podcast we try to be like fun and excited about the team and just the majority of baseball fans that I've talked to are mostly just like, this guy sucks, bullpen's terrible, uh, no one can hit. It's weird. It's really weird. The, the, I've thought a lot about the philosophy of the baseball fans in the last couple of weeks, and, like, it's just never positive. It's just always the manager sucks. And, like, it's weird because now we're getting to the point of the season where guys are settling into roles, and, like, the bullpen's in a blow. Like, there's just stereotypes about this team already. And I think people still think the – stereotype is that Carlos Santana was a bad signing and I just I just don't understand why it's not like it's not like they're blocking like Andrew Benintendi or Bryce Harper from playing right field like it's Nick Williams or Aaron Altair like it's fine just wait until Adam Hazley comes up in a couple months I hope I don't know it's just it's just like it was weird I I the, the anti-Carlos Santana thing is just I'm just I was just really surprised by it you should have said my son, Adam Hazley. I'm shocked you didn't bust that one out. Jack's child, Adam Hazley, for those who didn't know. No, no, he's not my child. He's Andrew Benintendi 2.0. That's <laughs> you think he's better looking than Benintendi, which is a bad well, take by you. Of course he's better looking than oh, Benintendi. It's crazy talk. All right, we don't have a lot of time left, Jack. Real quick, um, we mentioned him before, but in passing, I wanted to get your take on Eflin real quick because, I mean, for what it's worth, this team is 2-7 and seven in June. Zach Eflin is 2-0 and oh in June, so there's something there. <laughs> but he has looked better. I think if you want to look for something, a, a positive sign, the strikeout rate is higher. I know Kapler talked about having Eflin go back and look at the swings and misses he's gotten and seeing if there's any sort of pattern there. And he has had a higher swing and miss rate this year as well. Is there anything you're seeing from Eflin that makes you a little more bullish than you've been in the past? Well, I, I, I've said uh, on previous podcasts that I – I was higher on Eflin than most just because, like, I I saw him starting to spot 95 on both sides of the plate, which we had never really seen from him before. Uh, and then he got hit around a little bit, and, yeah, you know, a lot of that had to do with 
with him not being able to locate like he was. Uh, I'm, I'm still semi. I'm, I'm fine with Eflin. I just don't know how sustainable it is because his, his off speed is not very good at all. Like with Pavetta last year, it was this guy throws hard and he has a wicked, wicked slider, so you can see it developing into something. But Eflin, I don't really see the off speed as much. Now, he could be good for a couple of starts because his fastball is 95 and it's climbed both sides of the plate and he's just hard to square up. But for me to really, really get excited about him, I need to see sharper break to his off speed stuff and maybe a change-up or something in there. Now, I'm not giving up on him. I just, I, I'm not fully, fully bought in. Yeah. But, yeah, he's, he's fine. I feel exactly the same way. He's a fifth starter. I love the increased velocity. The, the swings and misses are, are great, but I need to see Zach Eflin do it for a season before I'm actually going to believe he's anything more than that. And, look, even what we've seen, you know, his best outing this past one, nine strikeouts, he looked great. The outing before he struck out two guys. So let's not get too carried away. Even though they won the game, I'm with you. We haven't seen a consistency. And like you said, you've said many times, there is a big difference between increased velocity and having a fastball that moves. And in any situation, you're taking the fastball that moves, and Zach Eflin's fastball, no matter how fast it's coming in there, doesn't seem to move too much. Jack, one other thing I want to get into before we get out of here, the All-Star voting has come out, and it looks like no Phillies are starting the All-Star game. I think that we could, we could say that pretty safely. Odubo Herrera, the only one even on the sheet, he is the ninth highest ranked outfielder. Obviously, that's fan voting, all that type of stuff. Who really cares about that? But when you look at this team, Jack, from that perspective, Aaron Nola, Odubo Herrera, is there anyone else who, with a hot month and a half, you think has a chance to be playing in the All-Star game? They're Anthony Dominguez. Boom. Put him in the All-Star game. He's only allowed one run. Like, How do you not put him in the All-Star I, game? Well, here's the thing. If they really cared about winning All-Star games, that's what they would do. The manager would have Josh Hader on the staff. You'd have Sir Anthony Dominguez on the staff. You'd have the Kirby Yates, whoever it is. You have these guys. Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley. Guys who get outs in the middle of a game, a game that is a bullpen game, essentially. You would think they would go that direction. We haven't seen that nearly enough. I think Hader makes it, though, uh, having one of the – better reliever seasons we've seen in a long time and we'll get to see more josh Hader this weekend all right jack before we get out of here is vince quinn is literally staring at me through the uh the window of the studio no i'm kidding he's not vince waiting patiently to use the studio after us but we're taking a little extra time because we love the high hopes listeners way more than we love vince quinn so that, well, much, that much like baseball there's no time limit on the high hopes podcast. i love it i love it all right jack before we get out of here uh quickly looking ahead and we will be back before the weekend series against the brewers so let's focus off day today on monday but then Big series the next three games with the Rockies coming to town. The one thing you have been able to count on for the most part, 20-11 and 11 at home, the Phillies still a good home team. Uh, how do you feel about this series? It's Aaron Nola versus John Gray tomorrow. Tyler Anderson on the hill against uh, Nick Pavetta on uh, Wednesday. And then Thursday, I believe, German Marquez against the aforementioned Zach Eflin. What do you think about those matchups? Ooh, I, I like German Marquez. That'll be fun. I'm, Got some I'm stuff. Uh... Rockies have what? They're second in the NL West or first in the NL West? They are now third, I believe. Maybe even fourth. Is the NL West has had a lot of shakeup. Every single team is within three games of each other, but pretty sure the Giants and the Dodgers both passed them. As it is, the Rockies are one game under five hundred. Yeah, it's a big series. It's a big series for sure. Uh, the Rockies, obviously, they have a, a pretty potent offense, per usual. Uh, but their staff. Like that, 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 
the pitching matchup this weekend should definitely, or this week, should, should favor us. John Gray is just, John Gray should be so much better. And oh like, my God, he's so good and he just can't put it together. The talent he, is all there. He could be like, he could be like the center guard of the West, but he just doesn't do it. Yep. Uh, and it's uh, funny too because you look at his splits, it's not a pitching and course thing. He actually, at least recently, has pitched better at course, which is crazy. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a really, really important series. Get back on track. They've been a pretty good home team. And unfortunately, we're probably not going to have great crowds because everyone's so mad at the team. But uh, hopefully they can stabilize a little bit. Uh, and I'm mad we're not seeing Kyle Freeland. I want to see what he looks like. I like Kyle Freeland, theoretically. Um, but yeah, no. important series. Uh, interested to see how they pitch Charlie Blackman because he seems like he's really impossible to get out. Yeah, and uh, Nolan Arenado, that guy's all right, too. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> uh, he's okay. I, I'm with you. I, a good matchup here. Tyler Anderson, the one guy you didn't mention, um, I, I think he's a much better pitcher than his numbers show, but he is certainly very beatable. I think these are three matchups the Phillies can win. And, and, you know, granted, we've been saying this the last two series coming in saying, oh, well, they got the, the pitching matchup except when Eflin's on the hill and they win the two games Eflin's on the hill and lose the rest. So who the hell knows when it comes to that? Yeah, Nola, Nola versus Arenado and uh, Blackman will be cool. That'll be really cool. And look, this is a spot where, granted, they won the last game of the uh, Milwaukee series, but we talk a lot about Nola as a stopper, as a guy to go out and be that ace and give them a, a gem when they need it. This game has a, this team hasn't won two games in a row in a while. They've not won a series in a while. They need Aaron Nola to go out and get them off the, on the right foot in this home series against the Rockies, especially before they head out to Milwaukee for the weekend. So uh, a huge, huge series here in the, the middle of June. Jack, final thoughts before we cede the studio. Well, uh, I only tweeted like three times by the Phillies over the last four days, so I'm sorry about that. But um, I'm back now. I won't be all in on. Did you hear that again. sigh? You could even hear the listeners. You could hear the sigh of relief that was coming. Yeah, there. they were. They were like, clearly worried. Oh, thank God! Yes, they were clearly worried. So don't worry, <laughs> I'm back. I will be watching every night once again. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, important series. Please get on back, back on track and just figure out the crap. All right, I can't. I can't take up. I can't take the the, the defense anymore. I really, it really makes me so mad. Like your major league players, play like it. Yeah, I will second that. I will also, since Jack Fritz took his time to be very egocentric and talk about his Twitter account, I'll do what Jack normally does with my final thought. Rate and review the podcast, please. It makes such a difference for us. Let us know what we are doing right, what we're doing wrong. If you like it, hate it, whatever it is, just leave a review, rate it. It also makes it a lot easier for people to find in iTunes and all that stuff. So for Jack, for me, for John, please, please, please just give us a rate and review on there. It will really go a long way so for the returned to twitter jack fritz make sure you check out those tweets again everyone that's really the big takeaway from this podcast jack fritz back and we'll be tweeting about the phillies that's all that matters we'll be back (laughs) we'll be back coming your way again later this week we'll preview the brewer series but for now it's time for the phillies to go out and take care of the rockies so hopefully we'll be talking about at least a series win hopefully a series sweep later this week either way We'll be there. And again, rate and review the podcast. For Jack Fritz, for the absent John Marks, I'm James Seltzer. We'll see you guys soon. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. 
Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.